0: Here we go again, another sermon, and I never feel ready. You'd think after doing this for all these years, I'd feel confident, but I'm always nervous, always insecure. I mean, I know God's word's powerful, but but I feel so weak. Maybe pathetic's even more accurate. No matter what I do, no matter how hard I work or how hard I try, I never feel like I have what it takes. Okay, Tim, it's go time. Smile big, don't suck. Everybody's watching. (laughs) So I'm curious, does anybody else feel like they have an ongoing war in their mind? On one hand, I want to be this man of courageous faith. But on the other hand, I, I also want to have predictable outcomes. Uh, on one hand, I want, to, I want to be this man who trusts God, but yet at the same time, I want to control this situation. And if you can relate to that, then you too know that the, the, the war is really won or lost in your mind. In fact, that's the first thing in your notes, that most of life's battles are won or lost in, in your mind. And the more we study scripture, the more we study neuroscience, the longer we live this thing called life, the more we discover that the battle truly is won or lost in our mind. But there's good news. You guys ready for some good news? All right, here, here's some good news. The good news is that God's word is powerful. His word's powerful, not just to help you through life, but, but God's word's so powerful, it can transform your mind. It can renew your mind. So for the next four weeks, we're going to be studying the life of the Apostle Paul and how Paul, this, this man, this giant of the faith, yet wrestled in his mind. He'd say things like, man, the good I want to do, I don't do. But the bad things I don't want to do, that I, I keep on doing those things. So, so what a wretched man am I. But he goes on this journey, this progression, this, this battle for his mind. And we're going to look at that over the next, next four weeks. Uh, a lot of the content will be coming from uh, Craig Rochelle's book. You might recognize the graphic, Winning the War in Your Mind. I was recently asked by a buddy, he said, hey, if you could have your kids read five books, only five books for the rest of a life, what five books would you give them? Uh, well, this book made the list. I, I would give them one, this book, make sure they read it. So, so as strongly as I can, I encourage you, check out, check out this book, props to Craig Rochelle, some of the content, a lot of the content comes from him. But uh, we believe God's word is powerful, so let's stand for the reading of, of God's word today. We'll be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Beginning in verse 3, and it says this, "This is for though we live in the world, we do not wage war. Everybody say, wage war. We don't wage war as the world does, but the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Demolish strongholds. You've been given divine authority. You've given divine power through the word of God to demolish strongholds. Here's what a stronghold is it's the Greek word okarama. It's a, it's a military term. There's, if there was a military stronghold, they're typically in the center of a city. And they would hold, hold prisoners there. So whenever they get attacked, it would be hard for people to come in to, to, to get their captives and set them free. So they kept them in the stronghold in the center of the city. Well, here's what you need to know, too, that that your great enemy, the devil, he he wants you to live in a stronghold. He wants to create strongholds in your mind to hold you captive. He'll feed you lies. And whenever we embrace lies as truth, they become strongholds in our lives. And how does the devil do this? Well, he tries to shape your thinking one lie at a time to hold you as a prisoner of deception. He'll say things like, like, you can't really trust people. Like after all you, after all they've burned you, like you can't trust people anymore. You'll never succeed. You'll always be broke. You'll never, you're never going to have a healthy marriage. God doesn't hear your prayers. I mean, God speaks to other people, but God does not speak to you. You're never going to make a difference. And ongoing lies, he feeds us. So what do we do? Second Corinthians, the very next verse, chapter 10, verse five says, we demolish arguments And every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And here's what we do. We take every thought captive and we make it obedient to Christ. So God, we pray that by the power of your word, you'd help us to do that. That God, you'd help us to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. I pray today, Father, that you'd help your sons and daughters identify strongholds in their mind, lies they've been fed, that they embrace as truth, and that God, by the power of your word, you would demolish them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can go ahead and have a seat. Well, this message series, and uh, again, much of the content comes from Craig Rochelle. Super grateful for his work. Uh, but, but this has been an ongoing struggle for me. I feel like in my life, I've, I've gotten a lot of victory here. Uh, I've worked really hard to renew my mind. Uh, I remember when I first started following Jesus, uh, man, my, my life, my thinking was so, so backwards. Like I thought if I did what I want, when I want, where I want, that would be Freedom but it only led to my captivity. But then once I started following Jesus, I surrendered my life to him, I started reading God's word, and I started actually trying to apply the Bible to my life, I found freedom. So that which I thought would bring me freedom actually led to my captivity, but what I thought would be my captivity, living under the authority of God's word, being a follower of Jesus, I thought that would be my bondage, but it actually brought liberation, it actually brought life. And so I knew early on, like. My thinking is distorted, like my mind's twisted, my mind's backwards. So God, would you please help me renew my mind? And that launched me on this journey of just devouring God's word and not just reading it to understand it, but, but trying to use it as a, a sword as a, to do battle. And, and that's still my primary objective, is just to renew my mind with God's truth, because left to my own, I, I can go dark super quick. And here's why this is so important. If you're a follower of Jesus, or maybe you don't even believe in Jesus yet, maybe you're just on this journey, checking this thing out. Here's what's true for everyone, everyone here in the room. That's our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Your life today is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Both science and scripture support that quote from Craig Rochelle. Cognitive behavioral psychologists, they'll say most of life's problems are actually related to a wrong thinking process. And so in other words, some of your relational challenges, some, of, some eating disorders, for sure addictions and, and other forms of, uh, some forms of anxiety are all related to toxic thinking. That's what neuroscience, that's what behavioral psychologists say. Uh, here's what the Bible says. Uh, Proverbs 23, 7 says, for as he thinks within himself, so is he. Or the King James puts it, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. In other words, what you think about, what's in your heart is actually going to come out in in your life. Uh, Paul would write this in Romans 8, verses 5 through 8. He says, those live according to the sinful nature, here's what they do. They have their minds on something. They're, they're thinking about what that sinful nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit, here's what they're doing. They set their minds, their thoughts, on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death. Like, whenever, whenever I was doing whatever I want, however I feel in the moment, here, here's what I experienced. I experienced death. I experienced despair. I wasn't flourishing in life like I thought I would. But the mind under the control of the Holy Spirit, when you do what God wants, when you you live under the authority of God's word and you actually try to apply it to your life, it results in a life of peace. The sinful mind, though, it's, it's hostile to God. You see, over and over again, the battle truly is won or lost in our mind. So what you think about, what you set your mind on, determines what comes out in your life. Science and the Bible agree on this because God created science. I think somehow somewhere in the church, it's like Christians are opposed to science. Like, no, we're not afraid of science. We love science because we know the one who created science. Like, like it's, it's biblical and it's, it's scientific. Yeah. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Both support that. Here's another quote. The life we have is, oh, is a reflection of the thoughts we think. The life you currently have is a reflection of the thoughts sh- that you think. And so, so if you think about your problems all the time, how, how the world's terrible and only getting worse, you'll always be overwhelmed with problems. If you feel like I'm a victim, uh, then you'll always be a victim. But if instead you believe that you can overcome, then by the power of Christ within you, you will overcome. In many cases, your life is a reflection of your strongest thoughts. And so, so it's just a healthy opportunity for us just to take a pause and to think about what you've been thinking about. And so today we're going to do a thought audit. And so if you have your, your program, inside the program is that, that thought audit. The, the first, I'm sorry for using the word audit. I realize that causes everyone's blood pressure to increase, especially this time of the year. Uh, but, but we're doing a thought audit. And so, so here's the first one. Worried or peaceful? One, worried, ten, peaceful. Uh, a worried, worried thoughts. You tend to wake up and have your mind drift towards all that's wrong. Uh, do you worry about your kids? Do you worry about the economy? Are you worried about the direction of our country and, and all that's going on in our world? Or would your thoughts be more characterized by peaceful? Do you tend to wake up and, and, and have, uh, you, you, you know that you, you do have some challenges, you're not ignorant to the, what's going on in the world, but you, you're you a person who continues to cast your cares on God and let him control what is out of your control? Are your thoughts characterized by by carrying burdens and laying them down, or do you just, pile those up. Are are you worried or peaceful? One worried, 10 peaceful. Where would you rank? And let me just say this too. Not where do you want to be, but like, where are your thoughts this week? Because we all aspire to be peaceful, like obviously. Uh, Negative or positive? One negative, 10 positive. Uh, Negative being, do you find yourself waking up critical of others? Do you assume the worst instead of believing the best? Do you look at your day and say, oh man, it's going to be hard. I got so much to do. My to-do list. I, there's not enough time in the day. The world's going to hell in a handbasket. Like this place is crazy. Negative or positive? Do you wake up with positive faith uh, when you see difficulties? Do you think Christ is with me? The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus Christ from the dead, lives in me, and there's I, with His help, I can overcome any obstacle. Negative or positive? Even though things may be difficult, you're thankful that God's working all things together for your good. Where would you you land on that scale? Uh, The third one, worldly or eternal. Is your mindset on worldly things, temporary things, or things that that are gonna matter one million years from now? Uh, Worldly being consumed with, man, how how do we look? Uh, How many followers do we have on Instagram? Did they like my post? Did they not like my post? Like, What do they think about me? Or eternal things, like you know life's a gift. You know like today's a gift. And you're stewarding it to make a difference not only in this life, but also in the life to come. What would you say characterizes your thoughts? I love this quote. You can't have a positive life and have a negative mind. That's true, right? Like, let's just, let's just sit on that one for a minute. Like, like, if your life's always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts, if you, if you tend to be negative, your thoughts are negative, then your life will probably reflect that. But if it's positive you have this faith-filled lens that you view life through, then you're going to view life very differently. As we kick off this series, really two foundational thoughts I want to leave with you. And I know it's a miracle, only two points today, but they're they're heavy lifts, so okay? So make sure you write these down, make sure you apply these two points. The first one is this. Here's my invitation, here's the action. Uh, Identify the biggest stronghold holding you back. What is the biggest stronghold holding you back? Remember what a stronghold is. It's where you're a prisoner held by a lie. Uh, Carlos Whitaker, he he wrote a book called Kill the Spider. He phrases that question this way. He says, where is it in your life where you've made an agreement with a lie? You've made an agreement with a lie. You've embraced a lie as truth. Where is that in your life? Whatever that is, that is the stronghold. And you might think, I'm not good enough. My past, if you knew my past, you'd know God could never use me. I, I can't trust people around me. I'm always going to battle with my weight. I'm never going to be good with money. I'll never be close to God. I'll never find freedom from this addiction. All my relationships are going to be broken. I only date psychos, and the list goes <laughs> List goes on. If you find yourself identifying with any of those statements above, then I want you to, to know this. I want you to embrace this reality that those thoughts are making a chemical change in your brain's makeup. Whenever you have a positive thought or a negative thought, it, it literally changes the chemical response in your, in your body. Uh, when you think positive thoughts, it, it releases this very legal, uh, very enjoyable drug, uh, it's very legal though, called dopamine. And so whenever you respect somebody and, and you make a post and you don't even know that they follow you, but they make a comment back on your, your Instagram post, they're like, wow, that's, that's tremendous. You get a shot of dopamine, You're like, wow, they see me, they value me which is what makes social media so appealing and so, so addictive is because we're always looking for more affirmation from the community around us. Uh, if you, um, you know, someone comes up to you and say, hey girl, your hair looks so good. Dopamine, boom, it's awesome. Uh, if your, your spouse texts you, hey, been missing you today, hurry home, dopamine, it's awesome. Like you get this, this jolt that's positive. It's interesting though that the more often we think a thought Science tells us it becomes easier and easier to rethink that thought. And so so imagine this. There's literally billions of of, of neurons firing in your brain every second. Neurological pathways, billions of neurological pathways in your brain happening every moment. And the more you you walk on a pathway, the more you think a thought, the easier it becomes to walk on that path and think that thought again. And so imagine this. So you're in your front yard and you say, I'm going to walk this path For the next 100 days, I'm not going to walk in the driveway. I'm not going to walk on any other path. I'm just going to walk on this, this path of grass right here. After 100 days, what's going to happen? You wore it down. down. Yeah, the grass is dead. It's dirt or mud at this point. But next time you walk through the yard and other people walk through your yard, they're going to think, this is the path that I walk. Because you thought that thought over and over again. And so so this is why scripture says this in Romans 12 and verse 2. It says this. It says, so do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Listen, he's saying like there's a path that the the world wants you to walk and it results in tying your mind in knots. You might think it might bring you life. You think it might bring you freedom, but it's going to lead to your captivity. So don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. But with God's help, we're going to start walking some new paths. We're going to start having some some new thoughts. We're going to take action. He says, but be transformed. How are we transformed? By the renewing of of our minds. In other words, we've got to create some new paths and stay off the old path. So, so if I say I'm not going to walk on this path anymore for the next 100 days, what's going to happen? Well, grass is going to start growing up and next time I, someone walks in my yard, they're not going to walk through that path. I'm going to avoid that path. How do I do that? I'm going to start creating a new path. The challenge with this is that we've, we've had thoughts that have now become strongholds and we've, fed, we've walked on this path not just for 100 days, but for some like 40 years, 50 years, 60 years on, on down the line. And so how do we renew our mind? Well, Jesus said this in John 8, 31. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, that word hold is interesting. It's just, it means to remain. It means to abide, to take action. If you walk on the same path, like Jesus is saying, like walk my pathway, like walk in the ways of Jesus. If you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. Then you'll know the truth and the truth will, it'll set you free. It's gonna bring freedom. But we do that by creating new paths. So we're not going to walk on the paths that lead to our destruction. We're going to walk on new paths that lead to our freedom. I don't know how this might play out in your day-to-day life, but here's a couple scenarios. Perhaps for you, whenever you have a rough day at work, you're wound really tight, you come home, you come home from work, and, and it's even more crazy at the house than it is at work, right? And so your natural pathway, you tend to walk down this this path that you start to hear your voice start to elevate, like your blood pressure rises, and you typically take it out on your spouse or family members, those who are the most close to you, because somehow it's their fault because of what happened at nine o'clock that morning. But instead, here's what we're going to do. We're going to say, no, 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 like I'm not, I'm going to recognize that. I'm not going to walk on that pathway. I'm going I'm to take a step back. I'm going to count to three, take a deep breath or 10. Or, or 110, depending on the, the situation. And, and you're gonna choose to go to your spouse and say, hey, hey you know what, it's been a tough day. Uh, I, I'm, I'm wound really tight, it's not you. But I just need you to know, like, it was, it was a tough day. You embrace, and what do you do in that moment? You reset the tone for the room. You lower the temperature by walking on a new, new pathway. Or, or maybe for you, whenever you feel bad about yourself, there's a direct path to the freezer. And once you get to the freezer, there's a tub of ice cream. And you don't, just take a, you don't just take one scoop. Before long, you, you sit there and you're like, I ate the whole tub. <laughs> and then you feel really bad about yourself, right? And the spiral it continues. So instead, when you start feeling like, I'm going to walk on this pathway, you say, no, 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 I'm not walking to the freezer. I'm going to walk outside. And once you get outside, just, just keep walking. Just go around the block. And now you're exercising. You get some dopamine. You get, get a surge of, of energy. And, and you start creating create a new path that makes you actually feel good about yourself. Whenever we get bored, uh, for many of us, what do we do? We we pull up this and then we have all these notifications from from Instagram and people talking to us on social media. And so we just start scrolling mindlessly. And then before you know it, it's like an hour has gone by and you're like, I'm wasting my life worried about other people. And then once you get on Instagram, here's the thing, like you compare your reality to like their highlight reel. So you're like, do these people even work? Like they're always on vacation. Like well, I want to go on vacation. Like, look at, their, look at how put together they're Man, What if they saw me? Like, and then you really feel like a turd. You're like, this is not good. This is not good. Or like, you see them at the party and you're like, I hate them. Why wasn't I invited to the party? So instead, you're going to avoid that pathway. And you're going to start walking a new pathway. So you pull up your phone. You're going to maybe pull up the version Bible app. And you don't have to read a whole lot, but maybe just the verse of the day. I'm just going to think about this. I'm going to sit on this. I'm going to marinate on this. I'm going to meditate on this. I'm going to think about it. And in doing so, you stay off the old path and you start to create some new pathways in your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We must forge new pathways. So here's the assignment. Identify the biggest stronghold holding you back. One, not, not 83 of them, uh, just one, because we all have more than one. But, but that can overwhelm you and paralyze you so you don't do anything. So just pick one. And we're gonna focus, focus there. For you, maybe it's you battled with your identity and, and your old pathway says, I'm just not lovable. That's your one. Or maybe you've wrongly believed because you've told yourself this thousands and thousands of times I'm just not enough. That's your one. Uh, I don't deserve anything good. I'll always be broke. There's haves, there's have nots. I'm just a have not. That's your one. I feel helpless, hopeless, worthless. Life's pointless. That's your one. Just, just focus, on, focus on one. Identify the one stronghold and name it. Because here's what you need to know. I might write this down. You cannot defeat what you do not define. You cannot defeat what you do not define. So you've got to name it. You've got to put a label to it. So that way you know there's a plan of attack for it. We cannot defeat what we do not define. So the first thing we're going to do is identify the biggest stronghold holding you back. Name it. The second step we're going to do Second point is this. Again, there's only two points, but they are heavy lifts. Identify the stronghold. Second one, name the truth that demolishes the stronghold. Well, what's the counterbalance to the lie that you have, have believed? Name the truth that demolishes your, the stronghold. And, and here's the deal. Like, this should be a daily practice of Christian living. Like, this isn't just like a, a series. This isn't just like, oh, man, they're really jacked up. They, gotta, they, they should do what you're talking about. No, no, no. For everyone in the room, this should be a daily practice I I quote, marinate, regurgitate the truth that demolishes the stronghold that holds you back. Remember John 8, 32, then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. What's the opposite of that? It's being held captive by lies, being held a prisoner, living with strongholds in your mind. Here's what Jesus said is true about your enemy. Here's what Jesus said is true about the devil. Uh, He said this, he said, he was a murderer from the beginning not holding to the truth. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Your enemy, the devil's greatest weapon, is lies. If the enemy's greatest weapon is lies, then your greatest weapon is to counter the lies with truth the truth of God's word. We're not just going to read the Bible. We're going we're gonna to realize this has divine power to demolish strongholds. And so I'm not just checking boxes. I'm not just going through the motions. I'm, I'm going to allow God's word to renew my mind with truth. Check this out in, in Hebrews uh, 4.12. Help me out with the words written in red. It says this, uh, for, the, for the word of God is living and active and sharper than a double-edged sword. Listen, the word of God is living. When you digest the word of God, it comes alive in you and it does in you what nothing else can do. So, so by absorbing hours of media, it's not helping you. It's actually tying your mind in knots. I'm not saying be ignorant to what's happening in the world. I'm just saying allow, marinate in the word of God more than you do on media. It'll set you free. It's living, it's active. In Ephesians 6, Paul, he's in a prison and he's looking at this Roman guard and he's thinking about the battle that you're in. And he's realizing the battle is really won in your mind, or it's lost in your mind. And he looks at the soldier and he says, Man, you guys got to be ready. Be ready for spiritual warfare. So he says, Hey, have your feet from head to toe, put on the armor. Like, have your feet fitted with the, the gospel of peace. Take up the shield of faith so you can distinguish the darts the enemy throws at you. Put on the breastplate of righteousness, put on the helmet of salvation. And then he tells you, Hey, those things are all defensive. Here's your offensive maneuver, here's your weapon. Ephesians 6, 17, put on the helmet of salvation, which is the sword of the Spirit, which is that's the Word of God. Like, and so, like, this isn't just like something we crack open on Sunday. This isn't just like we check boxes on you version. No, like this will, will lead to your victory, or neglecting it will lead to your defeat. To win the battle in your mind, we must engage, because there's no other way for us to defeat evil, and overcome the lies that we've embraced as truth. Remember, 2 Corinthians 10.5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And here's what we do. We take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. How do we do that? Like practically this week, how do you do that? Maybe you've identified your problem. Maybe one of your problems is is overspending. And, And so you've bought into this lie that, in order for me to be happy, I have to have more. And so that, that results in you living beyond your means. And so you're always stressed about money. And so whenever, whenever it's late at night, at the end of the day, so maybe you jump on Amazon and you, you buy that thing that you don't really need, you don't really want, but it's, you get a shot of dopamine whenever you buy it. And so, so the enemy says, hey, if you're gonna be happy, you just gotta have more. And so you're going to combat that lie with truth. You're going to demolish the stronghold by remembering Psalm 23:1 says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all I need. Yeah. God, if you're with me, who can be against me? God, I got you. If I have you, if you're guiding me, you're directing my steps, you're leading me, I've got all I need. You're going to remember Philippians 4:12 through 13. I know what it is to be in need. This is Paul writing from a prison cell. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, living in plenty or in want. Here's the key. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. So you're gonna, you're gonna identify the stronghold. You're gonna identify some truth. Then you're gonna make a declaration whenever that lie comes into your mind. You're gonna remind yourself, Jesus has given me everything I need. He's with me. Therefore, that's, that's all I need. With Christ, I can overcome anything because he, he gives me strength and I can do all things through him. Maybe for you, it's a destructive habit. Maybe it's overeating. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's pills. Maybe it's, it's unhealthy relationships that you keep running to. The lie is that, that you've believed you need whatever it is to numb pain, to relieve stress, and to give you peace. The truth is that Jesus said in Matthew 11, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and you'll find what you're looking for. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me from gentle and humble at heart, and you will find rest for your soul. You're going to remember 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. We're going to embrace Psalms 46, where it says, God, you're my refuge. You're my strength. You're my very present help in times of trouble. And so whenever you feel those impulses coming, rather than walking those old pathways, you're going to start to walk a new pathway to say, you know what? God is with me. He's my refuge. He's my portion. God, I do need help. But that's not going to help the pain. That's going to numb the pain. You're the only one who can set me free. And God, I'm coming to you because you're my present help in time of trouble. Be my refuge and strength in this moment. And you create new pathways. Maybe you're bought into the lie. You'll always be a victim. Nothing, (laughs) Nothing good ever happens to you. Remember Romans 8. If God is for us, who can be against us? And all these things were more than conquerors through him who loved us. And you, you personalize that. And you regurgitate that. Whenever you, the enemy feeds you the lie, you combat it with truth. You demolish the stronghold. You say, well, what about you, pastor? What's yours? In recovery, we call this the gift of going first. Here's the lie I've believed since I was a little boy. I've identified it as it is my stronghold. It is what I used to try to numb over and over. It is what I tried to bring solutions to, and on one hand, it drives me. On the other hand, it drives me crazy. The lie I've embraced as truth is that I'm never enough. I will never preach good enough. I will never be righteous enough to leave the church, that's for sure. If I give my best to the church, then I neglect my first ministry, which is Tiffany and my kids. If I bring my best at home, then I'm gonna disappoint you. I'm not gonna bring my best here. There's no way I can live up to your expectations. I can't meet with everyone, I'll never communicate well enough, I can't deliver, I don't have enough time. The bottom line is I'm not enough. The challenge with the lie the enemy tells me, the challenge with the stronghold the enemy has fed you, is that there is an element of truth in that lie. To a very real degree, I will never be enough. Because of my sinful nature, because of my limitations, there's a lot of me that will never be enough. But thankfully, I don't have to rely on what's inside of me alone. There's a power that's greater than me, and He is more than enough. And I have to embrace that lie as truth. I have to remember 2 Peter 1 3 says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness, so I embrace this and I personalize it and I say, no, God, today when I feel insufficient, I feel like I'm not enough. No, God, your divine power has given me everything I need. You've given me enough time. You've given me enough creativity. You've given me enough bandwidth. God, you are greater. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in me. When I'm weak, God, your power is made perfect. He hasn't given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind to take action on what he's asked me to do today. So today I choose to be strong and courageous because God, you've promised you're going to be with me no matter where I go. You got to identify the lie. You got to, because if you don't, if you don't define it, you can't defeat it. And so what is it for you? That's mine. And And I have to constantly combat that lie with truth. Because I I wish I could say, hey, when I was 18, I used to walk that pathway, but now I'm a pastor. I don't ever have those thoughts. That would not be true. I'm in the the struggle. I'm just doing the same struggle with you. But we have to take captive those thoughts and make them obedient to Christ. How do we go to war? First, we identify the biggest stronghold holding you back. Cannot defeat what you don't define. Second, we name the truth that demolishes the stronghold Because Jesus didn't come. He didn't save you. You're not a son and daughter, so you can live in captivity. That's the enemy's work. He said, I came to demolish the work of the enemy. That's what Jesus said in one of his purpose statements. So he's given you the authority of his word to take those thoughts captive. Now he entrusts us to go to battle and win the war in our mind. God, we thank you for your truth that sets us free. We thank you, Jesus, that you're for us. We thank you, Jesus, that there's no lie, the enemy's fed any one of us that there isn't somebody else here in the room that, that they haven't experienced the same lie. And, and God, you've given us a pathway to victory. So Jesus, would you give us courageous faith to identify strongholds in our mind? And God, would you help us to name truth through the authority of your word to demolish that stronghold? I pray that for your church today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Awesome, you guys received that, got that?